Amen, and good morning. Good morning again this morning. Be with us. Uh, here we go. All right, good morning again. Uh, hello, hello. Was this, oh, uh, is it me? How's that? It's pretty good. You can hear? Oh, I can't hear myself, so I'll go in deaf. You know, old, old people factor. So uh, welcome this morning. I don't know about you, but I am having like holiday whiplash for some reason. Last night, we were driving home from some Christmas celebration, and I was like, I can't believe tomorrow's church. And then, like, Christmas is over, and then I knew the series is sw- switching gears, but now the, the gear shift seems too fast, and, like, I'm still sort of Christmassy, but then that was a really serious video, and, like, I don't know what's going on inside, and so, oh, pretty crazy. Uh, I don't know if you feel that way. My timing feels totally off this season. I, I didn't feel like it was Christmas, and then all of a sudden we had Christmas, and now I feel like we need some Christmas, and then that Christmas passed, and oh, I don't know, it's just me. Uh, crazy, crazy days, but I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, thanks for joining us in person, and I know a ton of our friends are online, and so let's just welcome them online. Thank you, guys. We, we love you, and I know you're tuning in all over the world. <laughs> We're going to start this morning by doing the shouts that we love to do. What do we do? We love God, and we love others. And what do we say? I love God, and I love you. I am praying every day that that is the cry of your heart. I, I love that we say this. Now it's going uh, past three years we've been saying this every Sunday reminding ourselves that that's why we exist as a church, to love God and to love others, and to say it out loud, not just have it and hold it, but to share that with other people that we love God and love others. So today we begin a three-week series that I'm pretty excited about. It's called Even If, and in this series we're going to explore parts of the book of Habakkuk, which is actually in the Old Testament. Uh, Through through the Habakkuk, uh, the prophet Habakkuk's uh, life, his complaints and his talking to God, and, and then God's subsequent responses to him, uh, we're going to be encouraged to trust God no matter what happens in our, in our life situation. So even if something difficult or even if uh, something that's too big for us or even if we face different things, we're going to see God's faithfulness. And so uh, I always say Habakkuk is my favorite book in the Bible. And I've said this for now going on 30 years. Habakkuk is my favorite book in the Bible. Usually pastors have a favorite book. They say it's all spiritual and that stuff. And, and mine is incredibly practical. I say Habakkuk's my favorite book because... In heaven, uh, if there's like lines to meet like Apostle Paul, like everybody says like a Paul letter is theirs or like Moses, you know, so everyone's in the Moses line, but no one's going to be in the Habakkuk line. And so I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to be like Habakkuk every time I said yours was my favorite book and I'm the only one in line. And uh, get this, you know, Habakkuk's got to be at a higher place than me. He wrote a book in the Bible, so I'm just going to try to write in on his coattails, whatever blessings he has in heaven. I'm going to enjoy those because I was in the Habakkuk line. It is purely practical. That's the reason I say it. I actually enjoy the book, uh, but, but I've always said that it's my favorite book just for that reason. Uh, I don't want poor Habakkuk feel like nobody ever said his book was the best book while they were on the planet. So I got you, my man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is that weird to anyone else? I mean, it seems weird to me, and I, but I still do it anyway. So the uh, prophet Habakkuk, he's a, he's a really brave dude. He says things that, that I'm, I'm scared to say to God. He asks God some incredibly big questions. In fact, over the next three weeks, we're going to see these three major questions that he asks God. And if we're honest, we'll admit that we have those same kind of questions, and, uh, but sometimes I'm scared to voice them of God. The three questions are going to be covered in the three weeks is, uh, are this. This first week, does God care? Is God fair? And is God there? So we're going to cover in those three. Does God care? Is God fair? And is God there? And I want to uh, thank, there's a, a church in Chestnut, uh, Chestnut Mountain Church. Uh, they gave the catchy title. I just stole it from them. And then uh, those three uh, questions phrased all rhymey like that. 
That's from this guy named Ray Fowler. I just straight lifted it off his, uh, off his uh, research and stuff. I, I had it saying, like, God, are you listening? And, God, wh why does the evil seem to uh, prosper? And so mine didn't rhyme very well, so I, I stole Ray Fowler's rhymes. So just want to give credit where credit's due. So uh, this week we're going to be talking about Habakkuk's first question where he says, God, do you care? Does God care about what's going on? Is God listening when we pray? Does it matter to him that I'm facing like real-life situations and stuff that's pretty difficult? So let's jump right into it. We're in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1, and here's how it starts. The prophecy of Habakkuk, the prophet uh, received. And so uh, this is one of the few times the person names themselves as a prophet, Habakkuk, and and this is probably because he's a professional prophet. Sometimes people are just walking around and God hits them with a prophecy and they're like, oh man, i got to go say this prophecy. But this guy is probably employed by the church. He's probably a professional working in the temple, you know, something like that. And he gives prophecies. And so he was ministering a long time ago, all the way in 600 A.D., right around there. And this was a tumultuous time for Israel. Babylon was knocking on the door. They were uh, conquering all the edges around them. And, and uh, this guy, Habakkuk, lives through that uh, the Babylonian invasion. And then there was this great king of Israel, and he repents to God, and, and the whole nation repents, and God delivers them and saves them. And then right after that king dies, the, the nation goes all horribly, and they turn back to idols and stuff. And, and uh, so, so Habakkuk got to see this great revival in his country among his people, turning back to God, and then he got to see them all literally just bail on God and ghost God and go right back to idols and detestable sort of things. And and so he's sort of lived this like, oh, up and down, up and down kind of life where he's seen the best and he's also seen the worst. And it's, this during, the, it's during this time of the national worst which we get this book uh, of Habakkuk that he writes down, a uh, prophecy from God to him. And here's how it starts. It starts with Habakkuk complaining to God about, God, do you even care about what's going on in our nation? Here's what it says in Habakkuk 1-2. How long, Lord, must I call for help but you don't listen. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Have you, in all honesty, have you ever felt like this? I know that I have. What an honest cry to God. God, why aren't you listening to me? And I think this is a perhaps an uncomfortable sort of question because it, it seems to like challenge God a little. It seems to... to Put God on blast a little. To, how dare you question God? And I almost feel like saying that to myself, even as I think that kind of same question. How dare you question God? But, but in all reality, sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray, and it feels like God isn't listening, even though I know God is listening. Do you ever, ever guys have that conflict inside? Like, God, I, I am absolutely convinced the God of the universe loves me. He cares about this world. But sometimes when I'm praying, I, I feel like he's not listening. I feel like... Things are out of control, and I, and, and I feel like he's not hearing me. Call out to him for his help, but it, but it seems to fall on deaf ears. I think one of the problems with this is that we tend to have very fickle memories when it comes to our prayer lives. We, we tend to remember the one or two times where God, uh, the, the answer didn't come, but we forget the thousands of times where God did answer our prayers, and he did come through. And, and I find that's pretty common in my life, and so... Uh, not all the time, but fairly often I'll, I'll do a prayer journal where I just you know, write out my prayers and, and every year or so I'll look back on that thing and I'll be like, oh wow, God answered this one, this one, this one, this one. And I hadn't thought about it. 
Because when God answers your prayer, you stop praying about it, right? So then it's not in mind. So you're like, oh, now what's the next one? And the next one. And that's sort of how we are. And so our memory is sort of fickle. And we say, God, why don't you ever listen? And God's like, look in your own prayer journal, idiot. And I'm like, oh, you do listen. <laughs> like, my bad. <laughs> Sorry on that one, God. You know, so uh, I think that's a really great way if, you know, have a prayer journal or, or put it on notes on your phone every time God answers one of your prayers that comes through. That's a great way for us to sort of navigate, God, why aren't you listening? And one of those, that, that kind of feelings. But, but his uh, Habakkuk's questions continue. Look what else he says. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but, but you don't save? Why do you make me look at or see all of this injustice or sorrow? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's, there's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Man, perhaps you feel the sting of Habakkuk's continued questions as, as you too see injustice in the world. As we see, like, we look around our world and we see starving kids and, and we see wrongdoing right and left and we see conflict and we see people hating people and we see, we see all sort of trouble in this world. Last week, uh, uh, about a week and a half ago, a super typhoon hit the Philippines. Anyone hear about this super typhoon hit the Philippines? And maybe you've heard about a lot of things hit the Philippines or other countries, and we get a little bit dead to kind of that information, right? No, X amount of people died, or this kind of stuff happened. And, and, and I'll be honest, we see so much tragedy and difficulty and sorrow in the world that like, sometimes we just become a little bit numb to it. And I can get that way as well. But with this super ty- typhoon last, uh, last week and a half ago, there's a, there's a kid who my wife and I have sponsored for you know, 15 years in the Philippines. I, I've told you guys about him before. His name's Leandro. Now he's not a kid. He's like 21 now. He started at six. Now he's like old. And, and uh, he's out of the compassion program, but we still talk to him. Once they graduate the compassion program, you get to talk to them individually. So I've been texting him you know, uh, via like instant messenger and that kind of stuff for for the last few months since he graduated the program. And, and uh, uh, he, he uh, texted me, uh, hey, uh, we were hit by that super typhoon, and he sent a picture of what had happened. And so I have a picture of his home here uh, that had happened to his house. So you look at the, the roof and or water inside the house, and, and you can kind of see the makeup of the house already. Um, it doesn't look like that much of a house to begin with. But here's some of the damage to his home. And, and he sent another video I didn't include it this morning of him himself and his uncles and his dad trying to rope down their corrugated uh, tin roof as it was flapping around in this, in this typhoon. And they were trying to rope it down so it didn't completely fly off with water and destruction kind of everywhere. Sent a few other pictures, but just wanted to show you that one. And then I'm like looking at this and I'm like, come on, God, like... The dude's house is already not that good. And now, look, it's destroyed. God, that's not right. That's so messed up. And, and I can get numb to those kind of things, but when it happens to someone who's personally important to us, then it hits home a little bit different. And I've been praying, God, like in the... What the heck, God? Well, why is that kind of thing going on? In the midst of destruction and violence and the lack of what seems right... Is God paying attention? Does God care about what's going on? Like, is he listening when I cry out for Leandro and his family? 
Maybe you feel that it's God listening when you pray over your loved one's cancer or your child's difficulties at school or, or even with their friends. Does he care about your business troubles or your, your financial prayers you've been praying for some time now? Does he, does he care about the things that are going on in your marriage that you're not that proud of or in your own life? See, I'm reluctant to ask that type of question of God because, I don't know, I just am. But I'm really thankful that Habakkuk asked that question of God. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that he says, God, do you care about this kind of stuff? He was upset about all the violence and the injustice that he was seeing in his life and in his country. And he asked, God, do you care? How long till you respond? When are you going to intervene and make things right? There's this really piercing question that he asks among those other questions. He says, in the middle of those, he said, why do you make me look at injustice? In other words, uh, this word injustice also means trouble or sorrow or difficulties. How come, God, I have to see this kind of stuff? God, why are you bringing this to me to, to notice and to see it? Why do I have to look at these sorrows in life? Why does God allow us to see trouble and in inequity and in ourselves and in other people? So get this first. I'm only praying because God has shown me something. I don't pray if I don't see. And so for God to open up my eyes to, to violence and iniquity and, and trouble and difficulties, it also opens up my prayer eyes and my prayer life. But why else might God show us iniquity and difficulty in life? Why might He show it? It might be for our own personal gain, believe it or not. It might be to keep us humble or to, to make me trust Him and rely on Him more because I can't do anything about the situation. Maybe it allows me to value His love and salvation for me even more because I see the temporariness of things on this planet. Maybe it allows me to walk in grace moment by moment rather than to get outside of the bounds of God by seeing even difficulty throughout the planet. Why might He allow us to see trouble all through this world? Maybe it's, it's to allow us to travel with Him to see the world as He sees the world, to show us the devastating effects of a fallen world, the consequences of people who reject Him, to make us see the wickedness of sin, that we might pass by it and, and hate it, not indulging in it for ourselves, to make us admire the grace of God all the more, because not only does He love me, a sinner, He loves all of the sinners on the planet. Maybe it helps us trust Him a little bit more because you can't do anything about a typhoon. Even if you were there, I can't help. Even if I was right there with this family, I couldn't have helped them. But I can trust the one who can, because God and God alone can. These questions that Habakkuk asks, they don't hurt faith. They enhance it. You see, Habakkuk dealt with the questions that come up when someone really does believe there is a God. And, and yet they look around the world and see things aren't as they should, should be or, or they're not the things how God would want them to be. Habakkuk's questions don't cause a disrespect of God. I think it's a, a deep love and passion for God because he has no one else to turn to. He's not trying to go fix the problem himself. He's not trying to do things on his own. He's saying, God, why are you doing? What are you doing on this planet, God? And, and God's answer may be surprising. <clears throat> it was to me when I was first looking at it. Here, here's his answer. The Lord answers this. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, 
even if you're told, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're to be feared and dreaded people. They're a lot of themselves and they promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dust. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities by building earthen ramps and they capture them and then they sweep past like wind and they go on. These are guilty people whose own strength is their God. Well, that's God's answer. God answered Habakkuk. But what did he say? God says, yes, I notice. And yes, I do care. And yes, I am going to do something about it. He's going to send the Babylonians to judge the people. He's sending the Babylonians to judge his own people, Israel. He says, I will work a work in your days that you will not believe. Now, now I've heard of the idea of something too good to be true, but God says this thing that is going to be too bad to be true, you wouldn't believe what's going to happen to you. You want to know what I'm doing? I'm about to come and destroy the people because of their wickedness. And I'm going to use these evil, messed up Babylonians to do it. Watch when they come. I'm not stopping them. And now it's not that the Babylonians didn't want to conquer. They wanted to conquer. But God says, hey, Israel, I used to protect you. You turned away from me. Watch what happens. And God's going to allow that. And he's telling Habakkuk, I am doing something. What I'm doing is bringing punishment. Now that may not have been the answer. What did the answer Habakkuk wanted? I see, and I'm going to help you prosper, and you're going to have a great life, right? That's what, that's what I wanted. That's what I would want, but what does God want? Why do I want that? Because I want comfort. I don't want to die. I don't want someone to stab me. I don't want to get shot by an arrow, right? These are the kind of things I want. I want to live in comfort. I want to live in joy. And so that's my expectation of God's answer. But what is God's answer? Because God doesn't care about my comfort compared to how much he cares about me. The problem is the people had turned away from God, and God says, I will do anything to turn them back to me. Because their turning to me, their transformation, their internal change is more important than their physical comfort or discomfort. God's answer is rough and it all involves consequences and punishment and even pain because his main desire for his people to turn to him for their transformation. And I would say often comfort, ease, and indulgence don't bring about transformation. Sometimes a humongous smack in the head is what's needed. God responds to Habakkuk in his situation, shows him that he's doing something that Habakkuk couldn't see. Now, it's, we're surprised that it's negative, maybe, but, but Habakkuk didn't see this coming. That is, that's not the answer he thought was going to come. And, and so we see that, that God is going to bring about a transformation from his people, a repentance from his people. And ultimately, that's what had, ends up happening. There's this destruction, but ultimately, the Israelites turn back to God, repent, and he restores their land. So God was looking to have a turning of hearts to him and would do whatever it takes to get that to happen. Now the answer we read is really specific to Habakkuk. So how does that relate to me? Well, how it relates is God absolutely was listening. God absolutely cared. And God was going to do something. But to do what? To do a transforming work in people's hearts and in our hearts. And so why might God show me trouble? Why might something happen? Why might there be these difficulties? It might be because God is wanting to transform our hearts and turn us to Him and allow us to see like, hey, this world is messed up. What is the solution? More comfort? 
more money, more things to go better, or a transformation of heart that is permanent things, eternal things, a change of focus from me to the eternal. I think that's what God wants much more than he wants just to give us comfort or answer our prayers with a yes. Just like he couldn't have, Habakkuk couldn't have possibly guessed what the solution was going to be, I think many times in our life we can't possibly guess what God is doing. And I don't know what God's doing. God is so much bigger than me. I never try to guess what God's plan is. I say, God, I want to do what you want. And something difficult comes out. Okay, God, what's that? How are you going to use that one? And something great happens. Okay, God, ow, that's awesome. How are you going to use that one? And then maybe something painful happens. Ow. But how are you going to use that one? Jesus' brother James says it this way about God listening. Is, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. If they're happy, let them sing songs of praise. If anyone's among you that's sick, let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and the, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they could be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So yes, God hears your prayers and and your prayers matter to God. And he is at work now just as he was in the days of Habakkuk. God's at work even when you can't see it. God's at work even when you can't feel it. God is loving you even when you don't deserve it. Here, Jesus' friend and disciple John, he answers the same question. In 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that we, if we ask anything according to His will, will He hears us. Like This isn't a magic lamp where, where you can rub the, the God genie and tell Him your prayers and His answer is going to be, yes! Uh, what was Habakkuk? Habakkuk was like, God, are you going to do something? God says, yes, I'm going to do something. And so the answer isn't always this, this yes because God is not a magic genie and yes is not always the best answer. When I was younger, I used to be a much worse person than I am now. Uh, I think I told you guys this story one time about uh, my sister, my youngest sister I used to pick on all the time and, and make her feel really bad and, and hurt her feelings and tease her and be mean. And, and there was one day uh, I was teasing her and she started to run down the hall to run to her room and I was just following her, mocking her and, and, and she got to her room and she slammed the door and I, I get at the door and then I'm talking through the door to her and I was saying, uh, it, it's so bad, she's crying on the other side and, and I was saying something like, but I love you, you know, something like messed up, like, you know, using a good word to be an evil word. And, uh, and she was praying on the other side of the door, and I heard her prayer because, you know, peeping like that, I wanted to see how much damage I was causing. And, and she was praying, and she said, God, I pray that, that you hit my brother with a semi-truck. And I pray, God, that, I swear she says, I pray that then that semi-truck backs up and then drives over him again and backs up and drives over him again. And I was like, that's a messed up prayer. Like, I wasn't a praying person at the time, but I was like, that, I left the door at that point because I, I don't know about this God guy, but, you know, I don't want any of that at all. And, but I mission accomplished. I made her so mad. But I, I'm really thankful that I know God heard her prayer and God was at work, but instead of killing me, God had a different plan. He changed my heart. And he brought me to repentance. And I think my sister would probably say that that's a better answer than the solution that she had offered. She had offered God a solution, right? God, would you do this? And God said, no, I'm not going to do that. But did God hear her prayer? Was God doing something? But even if it wasn't answered in a way that she could have understood at that time, and it, it didn't happen immediately, but God was doing something and God was at work, 
in a way that she couldn't even imagine. And I would say the same is for each one of our prayers. Like God is doing work. God hears you and he cares. But he has something better. Maybe for even the person you're praying for. Maybe the person on the other side of the country. Or maybe the person that's right in your bed with you. God is doing something. And we've got to trust in him. See, God heard uh, my, my sister's prayer. And, and he was at work. But, but he said no to that prayer. And so I'm really glad that God says no to some prayers. And when I pray now, I'm willing to accept that God can say no to that prayer or have a different solution than the one that I have in mind. Because I think God has a way of doing things better than I can even imagine. I look at my life and and I see it time and time again, the things that I thought I wanted and then the things God brought in my life. The things that he brought are always better than things that I initially wanted. So coming back to my prayer uh, worry for my young friend, Leandro, in the Philippines, in the typhoon. Now, it just so happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had sent money for Christmas, because uh, you have to send it ahead of time, just make sure you got it. We had sent him 100 bucks um, as a Christmas gift to him, and, and uh, after that picture that he sent, uh, it was just a few days ago, this wasn't too long ago, maybe a week ago, he sent that picture, and, and after that picture, he typed these words. So I'll just read you directly, uh, grammar or whatever, whatever, right? Uh, So here's what he typed. He said, Thank you for the grace you have given us. It's been a great help to us because our house was damaged by the typhoon, you think. (laughs) We're safe here. The Lord saved us from the typhoon. I then, uh, you know, I felt so bad seeing the house. My wife and I said, Hey, let's see if we could send some more money. So I said, Hey, can I I send you some more money? Can 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 we help in some way? And he says, No, I can do it. Your help to me and my family is great. You have helped us a lot. Your help is too much. It's okay, Tito Sam, I love you. So God is doing a work in him, some sort of work that I can't even see or recognize. In the midst of this physical destruction. And then God is doing a work in me because of the thing that happened to Leandro by this typhoon. To soften my heart, to to open my heart to the things of the world. And and to care for him even more than I had before, and to care for his family, and to pray for them, because I can't change anything. And then God is taking that same destruction, not only for his benefit and then for my benefit, but I share it to you this morning, and so it's for your benefit. So God can use even that typhoon for his life, and then my life, and then for our lives, all of us who hear that this morning. And he said he was safe, and his family was safe, and and they were giving glory to God. And when I saw that, I give glory to God. And maybe this morning you're listening and you're like, I don't know that kid, but I'm going to give glory to God too. A churning of hearts to God is more important than the structure or the roof of his house. And it's more important than the structure or the roof of my house or even your house because internal, eternal things are more important than the temporary and the comfortable. So God is doing work even in the middle of all that kind of destruction. Because righteousness, relationship, transformation are more important to God than circumstances, comfort, or even distress. It's happening to me, happening for Leandra, and I hope this morning is happening for you. So be assured that God always hears your prayers, even when you don't feel like it. And God always loves you, and He wants what's best for you. And He wants you to turn to Him in faith, to trust Him more and and to lean in toward him. I want to ask this morning that you would just take a prayerful moment with me right now. To take 
whatever your worry is, whatever your typhoon is, and ask God to open your eyes to see what He's doing. And, and to tell God that you trust Him even when you can't see the solution. To trust Him even when it doesn't feel like you can. I want to just invite you to take a couple of honest moments right now and, and lean into God for the things that you cannot orchestrate. And say in your heart, in faith, that you trust Him to do these things. Would you pray whatever the typhoon is in your life?